Welcome back to the weekly program. Sergio and I are here. I'm Vince. And my name is Sergio. And last week we left off telling childhood stories, but this week, and what we have decided to do is to make every other episode of our weekly broadcast, Sergio and I's, uh, free to the public, and then every other one will be exclusive to people who are Patreons. Uh, again, if you have any ideas for, you know, different programs you'd like to see or hear, send us a message on the Patreon page. Sign up to be a Patreon if you could for as little as $3 a month. We would appreciate it. Um, and yeah, that's that's it really. And subscribe to everything. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our Apple podcast channel. Subscribe on Spotify. Leave us a nice rating on both of those platforms we would appreciate that don't be mean <laughs> yeah don't be mean <laughs> this week though i think we we're going to talk Ooh, about more yeah. uh <clears throat> current events right yes things are uh heating up things are <laughs> things are <laughs> really blazing up things are heating up everywhere in california and all those states the fires and the uh and the elections there's more fires oh yeah it's 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 grown pretty fast Northern, uh, north of LA, there are fires in Oregon. Um, Jesus, I had no idea. And, and the Arctic and Siberia has been still burning. <laughs> well, let's not yeah. bum everybody out with oh, that right away. No, no, no. But <laughs> I mean, that's th- I mean, well, the- and we got a new vice president, well, candidate for <laughs> oh, vice president. Oh, you just jinxed the whole thing now. <laughs> yeah. Kamala Harris, I think everybody who's listening to this probably understands just how horrific she is. So I don't know if we have to go too much into that. But, um, you know, we both agree with the idea that people should strategically vote, that it makes sense to get rid of Trump and the GOP, that we fully understand that the Democrats are not going to dismantle capitalism or stop the empire or significantly help poor and working class people, but we don't expect them to, you know, we expect labor unions and students and social movements to, you know, push those things. But the point is that we do think it makes strategic sense to get rid of the Republicans. And so while everybody is bitching and complaining about uh, Kamala Harris, she is, Definitely better than Mike Pence. <laughs> I mean, oh, or right? Anyone. I mean, yeah. I don't yeah, know who doesn't believe that. I mean, I think this to me gets to like one of my biggest pet peeves with the modern culture and what we're in right now, which is this inability to have nuanced thoughts about uh, different issues. And some issues I understand. Like if you're which I am 100% for free and open access to abortion, uh, no questions asked. Yeah, I think that for me it's a pretty open and closed case, you know, like open, closed, I don't know, whatever the saying is, uh, open and shut case. But there's other issues like what would make the most sense for people in a presidential election or in any election, like to do, like, to get people to think strategically and then also to get people to think about these things in a more complex ways instead of just 
Kamala Harris is either good or bad. I mean, of course, I think, again, everybody who listen who's listening to this is going to know that her faults. I mean, it, we went through that in the primary. But just the basics, though, I mean, what, what Kamala Harris and Joe Biden trying to rack the post office <laughs> before no. the elections you know? <laughs> no i mean just the basics you know would they you know would they cut down on regulation or on methane you know that's mainly you know all those extraction and production and utilization mostly happens in poor communities and communities of color so i mean yeah so just the basic things that kind of give us some kind of um I would say a breather. Well, the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic is we, we need people in the White House and hopefully in the Senate who can who will listen to the doctors and medical professionals and who will be more willing to provide economic aid to people as we figure out the pandemic. Well, and now, and now we're seeing that exactly. We need somebody who can think um strategically and critically because we see we you know um new zealand it was clean for for some time and now they're having an outbreak again so so now we know that it's coming back and forth back and forth even the places that sort of eradicated it so we really need people who are able to understand that the knowledge about this virus is still in its growing stages and we're still trying to figure out, figure things out. And I think it's important to have people who can actually kind of bounce off that information that the epidemiologists and the scientists are providing as as the as the pandemic is uh, progressing. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, pe- just people who would people who would listen to uh, scientists, and we don't have we have you know, people in the White House and in the Republican Party who do not listen to, don't believe in, um, refuse to abide by anything that, you know, the scientists and uh, medical experts are saying. And, you know, a lot of them are extreme religious people. So, yeah, I mean, I in Indiana, it's not going to matter. So in Indiana, if you're listening to this, my first piece of advice would be to not get into arguments with people you know uh, about this because we've gone blue twice in 60 years. The first time in uh, 1964 when LBJ won and the second time in 2008 when Barack Obama won. The biggest difference between then and now is uh, Citizens United. Uh, we've become a right-to-work state, which has defanged the unions in the state. There's been tens of thousands of people, primarily black people, uh, who've been booted off the voting rolls. And this time around, um, we don't know what the fuck is going to happen because of the post office and all the other stuff. So, I mean, I, I you know, I just want people to understand if they do, if they live in states that are either solid red, like Indiana, or solid blue, like Illinois, California, New York. Do not lose it with each other over the election because it's inconsequential. Uh, your debates or arguments with each other are inconsequential. What happens in your state or in your little area 
is inconsequential because it's already tallied. Like New York and Illinois and California are already tallied for the Democrats. You start out knowing that those numbers are in the Democratic side and then the same for Indiana and Alabama and Mississippi. Like you know that those are going to be red states. So I, you know, I just want people to understand that if you're in one of those states, it does not make sense to uh, kill your friends or go nuts with each other over this shit because it really just doesn't matter. And and if you live in a swing state, you know, I would say do so with the understanding that regardless of who wins. We're going to need people to be in solidarity with each other, um, you know, the day after the election, regardless of the result. Well, I shouldn't say the day after. Um, I don't have the article pulled up with me, but there was a good article in the New York Times about how long this could get stretched out. So just that's another thing for people to keep in mind is that we're not going to know election night. We're not going to know the day after we're probably not going to know a week or two after, and we could actually get into a scenario like 2000 where the Republicans or the Trump administration just continually take this to court Mm -hmm. until God knows when in 2021. Hopefully that doesn't happen. The way that that won't happen is by massive popular pressure. So, Well, and adding to that, important night tonight because the state of Pennsylvania has challenged the... uh, not being able to extend receiving the mail-in ballots. And the judge basically said that he or she wants to see evidence that there is such a large voter fraud in mail-in ballots. And that's not going to happen by midnight. And that's the... you know, and that's it. And so, I mean, that's a, you know, I mean, if people, you know, I mean, when I learned how the uh, justice system works and how the, the previous cases actually determine how things pan out kind of blew my mind because it didn't make any sense, but yeah, I mean, it can be a very solid precedent for other States to, I basically say like, Hey, the post office is behind so we need more days to actually to process that because if the if the ballots get received after the date then they don't count right and so you know yeah well i hope that i well i shouldn't say i hope i do think that there's a lot of people who are paying attention to this story right now and not enough people, but hopefully more and more people do. Uh, it's probably the most important political thing that's happening in the country right now. And it will determine whether or not this election is totally rat-fucked. And we really don't want that. I mean, the precedent for this uh, happening, you know, in, in 2000, uh, isn't a good one. I mean, it, it, depending on who's in charge in the different states that are in question and who runs the state legislature and who's the governor and, you know, all that, who's the attorney general of your state, all of that, uh, it really matters in times like this. So, and that's not good because a lot of states are, you know, no. ran by Republicans. And Well, and most importantly, culturally, I mean, look where the state of our country's at socially, culturally, politically, I mean, everything. I mean, we're, 
that kind of incident. I mean, oh, you're saying yeah, that two thousand. It was different, you know, like how how it's gonna how people gonna react to it. Now. Yeah, yeah. People, I people could. I don't know. I don't know if people would lose it or not. I mean, I maybe Democrats would take the problem is is that this all happens during the holidays and during the winter. So like you have this stretch of like, okay, the election is on November 4th. If you don't have returns until after Thanksgiving, then you're in this stretch of like most of the country probably being super cold and people, and then who knows where the, well, yeah, I guess it all depends. I mean, we don't know where the pandemic will be. and Unless we turn into those uh, Eastern European or Central European or Georgia winter's on fire <laughs> orange revolutions usually happening in the winter <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't see people here i can't imagine people coming out i don't know I, I i guess i don't know i i have no idea um i think people should be hopefully gearing up for that i mean it, yeah i don't know what the i don't know what the um response will be from people i mean the problem is is that if you're not already organized what are you going to do i mean you're just going to go out there in the street as an individual and try and participate now we've seen i think the limitations of that with uh the black lives matter protests because if you're not organized beyond that occupy wall street yeah you can't sustain it so you know the mobilizations without organization they can't be sustained and because not enough people are politicized, so it's not like you have whatever it may be, you know, 20, 30, 40% of the population that's ready to take to the streets. That's just not the case. Now, there's a lot of people who are in the streets over the last few months, but not necessarily enough to make the kind of changes that we would need or to force Trump to step down. And I mean, the real, here's, I mean, the reason that this is important to gear up for now is because again regardless of who wins if trump wins legitimately then people have to be ready to take him on the day after if trump steals the election or if him and the gop and the supreme court steal the election people have to be ready to immediately hit the streets and shut things down and if joe biden and kamala harris win the election then we have to be ready to immediately hit the streets and pressure them uh to do the kind of things that we need them to do immediately i mean health care you know we can go down the list i mean hopefully the pandemic stuff they're doing it but this is why it's also important for people in swing states to show up and vote and vote democrat especially in the senate races because if we don't get a democratic senate nothing's going to get passed and I mean, I think this for me gets to like the real problem with where we're at. I mean, I don't like even saying that or encouraging people to do that because, you know, I'm not excited about voting for Democrats. We're just in a really fucked up position. And the reason we're in a really fucked up position is because not enough people are organizing on a day to day basis. So people wait until these election cycles, they get involved. They get involved primarily through electoral 
uh, organizing or mobilizing, whatever it may be, but for a candidate, say Bernie Sanders or something, and that's good. But for instance, you know, even here in Northwest Indiana, we didn't really come away from the Bernie campaign with anything. I mean, now you throw the pandemic in there and that's a problem, but, and it added to the difficulty of trying to keep together a, a, a group of people spread throughout a region. But at the same time, man, it's like, you know, there weren't that many people who came around for the campaign like there were last time. And, you know, I know that there's tens of millions of people in the country who sympathize with progressive uh, programs with different left-wing ideals and values. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they're not organized. Nope. So until that part of the equation changes, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us will be you know, feeling disempowered and, and kind of like barking at the moon and, and just complaining and being upset and being angry because that's probably what the next couple of months looks like dealing with this situation. So it's like when people complain, oh, you know, it's Kamala Harris and, oh, it's Joe Biden. It's like, well, we need you to be involved. I mean, in other words, if you're upset that Kamala Harris is the VP pick and Joe Biden is the nominee and you didn't volunteer during the primaries for the Bernie campaign, I mean, I'm sorry, but like we, you know, we're, we have to take it upon ourselves to do these things or else it's not going to happen for us. And I think people have to take some level of responsibility. Well, and also what is getting involved? I mean, I think there's this, I mean, obviously Hollywood has part of it, but you know, a lot of it is kind of, people think that, getting involved or organizing is going into the streets and marching well they weren't doing that for the bernie campaign though i mean no, no. i mean i i mean i want people i do think yeah that there are people who you know attend these kind of things and just to kind of take a picture and put it online and so on i mean but i don't know it's hard to it's hard to as uh our friend michael albert says i do think it's difficult to uh, judge anyone's intention i mean i don't know what these people's intention are but all i'm saying is like you know people who are going into the streets and so on i mean i like to think that it's good but i'm saying as far as um getting involved with just you know phone banking for the bernie campaign for instance you know phone banking knocking on doors spreading literature like there was very specific things that were needed during the primary and you no, know I'm, i meant for a bigger like in terms of when we talk about people getting involved in the community organizing also outside of not just not just the the, the electoral part of it no i'm just talking about back. the bernie oh, okay. campaign yeah i'm just saying just just the bernie campaign i mean you know that's just a very simple yeah because we're we're talking about the elections so it's like we need democrats in the senate if you live in a swing state, we need you to vote for the Democratic senator. If there's a, and there's important races, we, we'll get into some more specific conversations about that. And we'll have guests on the program, you know, that I'll interview that'll be electoral uh, specific sort of uh, topical stuff. You know, we'll go through what are all the states that are up. There's a lot of states, um, but it's important. I mean, there's not. The other part of this, or what people might think is the alternative, is it's like, you know, the attitude, fuck both parties, I'm not going to vote. Okay, well then, 
you have to create movements and organizations, you know, powerful enough to be able to do what? I don't know. Overthrow the government, replace institutions, dismantle institutions. Do you have alternatives ready to roll? I mean, this is, you know, and so I think if, if people really think about this, you know, and I'm just thinking about the kind of like standard response that you get, you know, from anyone talking about an election, it's either fuck them or it's I'm diehard Trump or I'm diehard Biden most of the time or people who just hold their nose and are like, I'm going to vote for them. A lot of the people who are going to vote are not going to remain engaged after the election. So the, that's what we need you to do. I mean, what we need people to do is to remain engaged beyond the election and not hope. And I don't think there's too many people who do, but I don't, I'm not, you know, there's still probably a significant number of Democrats who are going to vote for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden in the hope that they will take action that will significantly, you know, change their their lives and the state of the country. And that's just not going to happen without massive pressure. So I don't know. That's like the main mess. I think probably the main message that hopefully the left can get across to mainstream Democrats and liberals and people who aren't engaged. Hopefully. I mean, I don't know. That seems to be the main one to me. The main message. Yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, what else can you... <laughs> well, I, you know, I think there's people who are going to vote third party. And I understand it, but... I, well, my friend Max Wilbert has a great quote about this, and I'll pull it up for a future program. But, you know, it's basically... He, basically, the point is, like, how you vote is not some kind of calibration of your morality so it's not like if you vote for democrats you then sign on to every single thing that the the democrats do after you vote for them you're just trying to make a strategic choice in the moment that's really what some people call harm harm reduction but it's like you're like triaging so it's like what's the difference i mean we can come up with a million different metaphors and analogies no basically just yeah, <laughs> I mean, you just got to vote. I mean, and then... Not, and we know not it sucks, it. though. No, but we yeah, know it sucks. Sure. And not expect... I mean, you just... I mean, that's, once again, what are the expectations? Right. Well, what are you willing to do afterward? Well... And, yeah, what are the expectations? You know, and that's like, okay, so what do you... Exactly. And I think this is where, actually... That's what I was referring to earlier, is that, you know, beyond the electoral stuff. I mean, you... the. You know, people will see certain things happening in the city or different locations, you know, people stopping this or people getting that. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's not, it's hard work, but it's really rewarding because what you're actually doing, you're going in the community and you're meeting more of your community members. And not only that you're meeting them, but you're actually sitting down or standing up or now six feet away or 10 feet apart. And you're discussing, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what, what can we actually get accomplished? Let's say here in the city, on the city level, on the county maybe level. I mean, who do we know? What kind of uh, resources do we have? But just having those conversations and trying to figure out like, hey, we got this problem. We got this problem. Let's, uh, but the more people you get in, the more people you talk to, the more people you meet with, the more ideas you get. 
and the more um yeah just it it yeah but a lot of people are sitting there right now and they're like it is saying it is easier obviously than doing it i mean the reality is we've you know there's a everyone depending on where they live of course I think we'll have varying degrees of just how difficult things. I mean, even the people I know in Chicago, you know, have not been able to make <clears throat> enough moves or create enough pressure even to get Lori Lightfoot to make any kind of announcement about police reforms. You know, so there, I think people are sitting there at home right now and they're thinking, like, what the fuck does this even look like where I'm at? And I think. That's kind of the the question that, you know, I think is most difficult for people. In other words, I think there's a ton of people sitting at home who would listen to this or other things or who get all of this bad news and who know that the government and the corporations are all fucked up, but they look at the situation and they're like, okay, I'm here in wherever the fuck Iowa or wherever the fuck Mississippi or Indiana. And they're like, what the fuck? fuck am i gonna do um and so yeah i think it's just difficult for people to kind of wrap their minds around how do i fit in to this and what exactly because people see the left too or they see activists and they don't really know what to make of a lot of this shit i mean they see people in the streets um you know or they might see people voting or trying to get people out to vote and stuff like that but you know, it's very confusing, I think, for a lot of people. Who well, are. and this is where we have to be explorers, right? I mean, we have this pretty much, you can say, unlimited access to information. Um, there are ways of, shit, just call your friend. I mean, call your friend that you think you have similar values, similar ideas, and be like, hey, have you know, just bring something up that you're thinking about, maybe that you've never talked about. And see, and maybe from that, things can unroll. But sitting at home and just kind of like, gosh, what to do, what to do, like, and I know now we're stuck. We're kind of sitting at home, but there's also a phone. And, I mean, there's a social media. I mean, there are means of communicating, Zoom, Skype, whatever. I mean, hopefully there's, of course, families that don't have access to Internet. But, you know, there are ways, there are phones. And just, I'm not saying that there's a solution or concrete answer to it but i think in order to get to at least to break out of that shell of being not sure or confused or very um uncertain uh maybe even depressed but like reaching out to people that you already know that you're comfortable with and maybe having the conversations that you've never had before about I mean, about anything from evictions that are going on to unemployment to wages to healthcare. I mean, just the basic things and see what, you know. Yeah, I mean, my point is is that people are so atomized for the most part in this society right now that the very idea that their personal problems are in somehow connected to other people's personal problems. I think we have to break through an ideological block that's I think far more severe than I thought it was. And I think for me, the pandemic kind of has shown that where people, even people we know who have progressive values and who kind of understand conceptually what 
we should do, you know, organize, fight back, change things. Even they, at times, uh, through conversations and so on, have slipped into, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to scramble to do this for myself. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And so we still, there's like a deeply ingrained hyper-individualism that I think somehow, yes, through action, for sure, people who are already thinking, I want to get involved, I want to do something. But for the other people, which is the vast majority of people, there's we have to somehow come up with creative ways to get people to understand that their destinies are inherently connected to the people around them. And that's, that's a, you know, I think it's a, we have, in this context, as you said, we're going to have to do a lot with technology, but with the pandemic that is. But I do think that we have to come up with creative ways to get people to understand that. And I'm not sure, maybe this is where, I think this is where stuff like culture, photography, film, art, music, all of that should come into play for that because getting people who are already hyper atomized in this society to do something in a time when we're even more isolated now than we were prior pandemic prior to the pandemic um i just think is you know outside of the explosions of anger and protests that we've seen you know i don't know of any sustained organized organizing effort outside of there's some union stuff going on i know that for sure tenant stuff organizing yeah tenant stuff is going on but again if what percentage of tenants in in chicago are being organized maybe less than one percent so i mean this gets back to the point it's not that those tenants don't know that they're getting fucked they know that it's like what what's a good example well, I talked with Rob the other day, and Rob was like, there's guys, we have a friend who works for the railroads. I won't give away too much, too much information, but anyway, he works for the railroad, and he was saying that some of his friends, they're talking about like slowing things down, they're talking about people potentially being furloughed, you know, people could be potentially just permanently laid off, forced to retire early, all that kind of shit, and he was saying that some of his coworkers were like, well... I think I have a coworker down or a cousin down in New Orleans. So if I have to, I'll just kind of crash on their pad and, you know, I'll have to work the New Orleans trip and move down there and that'll be my permanent base. And it's like, and that's someone who's in a union. So, I mean, this is someone who's in a, in an organized body that is a political body. We know that unions are pretty fucked up, but I mean, still there's like something there. And even that person is just like, there's no sense that you would organize with your, union brothers and sisters to force the railroad company to do things that you need them to do it's like i'll just kind of take it and just kind of go with it and do what i need to do to survive and that's i yeah we i obviously don't have answers for that but i do think that that is a major issue it's a major issue with almost anything yeah here in this country it's but you're right. I mean, don't probably the best way to the more that people see other people in motion, the more it becomes normalized. So that also helps the cause. So it's like if you are listening to you know all these bad all this bad news and you want to do something, it's like, well, 
yeah, even if it's just a small group of you and your friends, it at least then in the culture starts to permeate the culture more and it starts to like, you know, you want to normalize it. You want to make it so it's like not something that people in some kind of subculture do. Well, the basics of uh, mutual aid. I mean, find mutual aid groups. I mean, you know, I mean, you'll meet people, you'll, you'll feel part of the, you know, it will take you, I mean, it'll take you away from um, extremely individual because you will, I mean, obviously the distance and all that stuff and precautions and safety, but you know, it'll give you, it'll, it'll, it'll recharge that humanity that, you know, are uh, deeply ingrained will or desire to be around people and you know i mean it's obviously in our society that's why we have such a high rates of depression and obviously the material realities of course but isolation individualism yeah i mean there there's a longer conversation that needs to be had there people need to be individuals but the, the way the way that people understand this in this culture and the way that it's been pounded through commercialism and all this is not the same. It, there's different concepts of kind of what that means. Like we're, you know, I think when people hear stuff about collectivity, they think of people uh, genuine, like generally being the same and yeah. like kind of in the same hub, hang out in the same place and doing the same things. Yeah. Like, dressed the same like which people are kind of dressed the same now anyway well depending on where you go but um yeah i think that we i mean we could talk about it another day but but i think that it's an important conversation because here you know fuck man i mean people spend they do spend a lot of time on their own but they also as we know on any given weekend, like there's a shitload of people who are spending time in bars, bars and doing all kinds of shit. And I understand that. Like I, I do understand that people want to do shit. I mean, I want to do some normal shit. There's no question about it, but you know, it's irresponsible right now. And also if you are going to go out and put yourself at risk, it's like do it for something that fucking matters. I mean, or if you're at the bar, I don't know. The Marine Corps was started at a bar. So it's like, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like start a fucking militia. I don't know. Do some, I mean, don't do that, but I mean, do something, start an organization at the bar, you know, start talking to people that you see if you're going to go out, which I've gotten past bitching about people going out at this point. I just have kind of, you know, I've, I've just, uh, kind of given up on trying to change anyone's mind about going out. If they're going to go out at this point, you're going to go out. So if you are going out and about, and you're talking with people, I don't know, talk to them about what the hell we're going to do. If the president doesn't want to leave the white house, talk to them about what we're going to do. If Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get elected, because they're going to be shit too. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. Hopefully people can talk about. Yeah. When we have 40 million um, homeless people in the streets, families, I mean, it's, yeah. You mean with the evictions? Evictions. Yeah, I mean the, yeah. the tragedy for the uh for the poor is always a opportunity for the rich <laughs> and you know and it's I, real rich not not somebody who's you know um ability to consolidate things as we're seeing right now. 
I mean, they just came out with the report, 80,000 small businesses closed down in the United States. The first one's obviously the restaurant industries. Then you have automotive, you have all these different uh, mechanic shops, so like all the small businesses. Mm -hmm. And then with that, obviously, comes consolidation. And that's why you're seeing, you know, you're seeing people like Bezos or Bezos, uh, you know, making that money and things are transferring. And no, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that kind of thing too. Well, you know, how do you, how would you feel if your neighbor is getting you know, kicked out of the house because they lost a job because of the pandemic, <laughs> you know, or like, yeah, but I don't want people to think they're doing shit for anyone else. I mean, I want people to understand that unless they fucking get their shit together and organize and fight back that they're fucked no matter how much money they have right now, whether they're poor whether they're living on 150 G's a year, your future does not look good in this. Like things don't look good generally in this country for anyone other than the Jeff Bezos's of the world. But in the context of climate change and all the other shit that's piling up, you know, it, I, yeah, I just don't want people to get the idea that they should be like, that they should feel bad for their neighbor. Like that they should understand that they're next. You know, oh, for sure. That, that, that like they're next and that unless they understand that their interests are inherently tied to their neighbors, that they're, you know, there's going to be problems. But I'm also saying if they're not, you know, I mean, obviously one way or another in the in the short or long term, I mean, things are not looking good either way. However, I mean, but this is I mean, for me, that's kind of also gets to that point. It's. For sure, you're obviously, and, and I think it's a reality that people, and I think we see it too much, that people really just care about their individual thing, and which is extremely important, but that also creates that division and pushes you away from that collect, not collective, maybe understanding that, yeah, that, that, that collective. I mean, shifting, I mean, shifting away from, if you're just concerned about yourself, and there's nothing wrong with it. It should be a priority because if you're not doing well, how can you help anyone around you? But if you completely concentrate on that, and that's what's been ingrained specifically in this culture for at least two, three, four, four decades, uh, maybe even earlier, sooner, with different, I mean, we're not going to go in that. But, you know, I think it's it's important also to understand it's, well, if your neighbor is suffering, that eventually that has an impact on you. And so hopefully that maybe reinforces the fact that, oh shit, I might be the next person. <laughs> like I might be him. But it's also, I mean, I feel, I also feel that there needs to be this more of uh, and we always have those conversations. I mean, I'm more on that. We also have to understand that if people around us are not doing well, things are not going to be well for us as well. And on all levels, socially, culturally, politically, economically. Um, so I do believe that there has to be that element where you actually like, well, no, I don't want to see that happen to my neighbor. Sure. You know? Yeah, um, sure. I'm just saying that there's too many people who get involved in a way that's like they should rather like the way that they get involved with politics, they might as well be social workers that what they want to do is help people instead of seeing the world 
as a as a place of material interests and of different sides to different battles and fights and that if they don't see themselves as being on like oh i'm a worker my interests are this and you know my interests are tied to my neighbor's interests and yes of course we would want people to have compassion but my the thing that i've learned over the years is that the left is too there's too much moralizing i mean our friend christian parenti's wife writes about this and i would like to get her on the program to talk about this but it's like I, and I, the more, and Adolf Reed talks about that. There's a bunch of left thinkers, mostly Marxists, but there's others who've talked about this. Um, the moralizing of what's going on, I think, hasn't helped because people, mo- most of the people I know, uh, and these are people who aren't engaged, they do feel like they feel bad. You know, like if I have a conversation with Big Dave, he'll be like, dude, this is so fucked up that people are going to be kicked out of their house. Like people already have that inherent compassion for people but the i the very idea of collective action is not understood because it's not there's not an i there's not the infrastructure to facilitate that kind of collective action so we're asking people essentially like we've tried to do here in michigan city rmc's tried to do it too um, but really start from scratch i mean a lot of people who are sitting at home right now are going fuck there's nobody to get involved with where i'm at you know um or if there are whatever you know maybe they're smaller groups or groups they might not fit in with or whatever it may be maybe it's not topics that they're particularly interested in but i think that that that's the challenge we face is building the infrastructure for people to then build that collectivity through the action that you mentioned earlier but yeah, I mean, I so I think that's that's part of how I've been thinking about, you know, like people's neighbors and people like, oh, I feel bad for them and all like that, you know, I want to help them out. Like there's a lot of that going on, which then lends itself to like more advocacy work, more um, work through NGOs and mutual aid. Yes, mutual aid, good, but we know that a lot of mutual aid does not then transform into like political work that a lot of mutual aid stops at mutual aid. And then that's, and you know, and usually the people that you get to sign up for that stuff is like, they're good, nice people who want to help out. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I think a lot of people are sitting at home going, fuck, how am I going to feel bad for my neighbor when I'm also totally freaked out? So there's that kind of divide. You know, and that's what I mean. Like if we're if we're talking about what is the best path to actually organize people, I think that in the short term, you got to get them to just be like, OK, the only way I get out of this is if I work with this person. And then through that action, then you can, I think, hopefully facilitate a, a sense more of a sense of collectivity. But seeing through the action that, oh, if we work together that we're like building a community, we're building different kinds of culture, we're actually fighting back. This feels good. You know, my life is better, this person's life's better. I want that person's life to be better, you know. But I think that it has to that's how it has to the sort of the steps because it doesn't seem clear to me that you know, I mean, I can get on fucking social media right now and there's like the whole my whole newsfeed will be people like god i feel bad for you know what i mean like everybody's you know what i'm saying like feels bad or 
sorry, wants to <laughs> drive my ladder, but wants to do something, you know what I mean? Or there's a lot of, I get that sense, you know, or like even talking with my parents this evening, like they feel bad that people are going to be, you know, but what I, so they already feel bad is my point. There's a lot of people who already feel bad about everybody else getting fucked. My point to them is, Hey, you're next. Like, so even, so it's like the thing that people do where they're like, well, fuck, I'm making 15 bucks an hour and my boss treats me like shit and I have no benefits, but fucking Sergio's got a job that pays 10 bucks an hour. His boss treats him even worse. I guess I'll be happy with this job. Like, so, I mean, like my parents, for instance, are happy where they're at materially, where they don't have to worry about groceries and, you know, they have money to be able to go on vacation and stuff like that. But, you know, my point to them is, hey, look at the payroll tax stuff. They're going to take away your social security. If they don't take it away, they're going to cut it. So, you know, tonight they're saying, man, we really feel bad about, you know, the people who are going to get evicted from their homes. And while they're not on the brink of being evicted from their house, um, that they're close to owning, you know, um, it's like, well, you know, your social security's next. So for them, it's, or I think for a lot of people who kind of feel like, okay, I'm way steadier than other people. I think they do have that compassion. There's the people who don't in society. I mean, we don't need to address them because I think the overwhelming majority, because I, you know, inherently think that people are good people and, and deep down inside, you know, have that sense of compassion, want to see other people do well. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out like, well, what is the in road to, you know, especially we know guys who are in union gigs, you know, it's the same for them. They feel bad. Like if we talk to any of the people, guys we know who have union gigs who are really materially set right now, they'd be like, fuck man. Like that sucks that these people are getting kicked out of their house or fucking can't believe these people can't even get their unemployment. Guarantee I could name the guys who would say that, you know, and they would genuinely feel that. But again, they don't understand that they're next. You know, they think I'm making 30 an hour. I'm doing well in my union or 35 or 40, whatever it is. Um, and man, that sucks for the other guy. And it's like, oh no, you need to understand that you are next. Your job's next. Your union's next. I don't know. Well, and that's the question. How do you, yeah. I mean, if the, if the union itself is not, I mean, post office, perfect example. Right. It's a union. Right. It's a national. Yeah, what the fuck are they doing? Dude, don't even. I mean, well, what Re are they doing? Well, remember I told you when I went into the post office that I asked her how come they don't have a policy for masks and all that stuff mm -hmm. on their federal union. Yeah, she was she was pissed off. I She's mean, like, I understand yeah. they're being rat fucked from the top. Yeah, for sure, of course. But but you're like you're literally about to either get shut down or privatized eventually. So I mean the person who's in charge i mean the 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 you know i mean the the well i have a really good book and i'm gonna get a little bit deeper into that eventually but yeah the whole point is that the the privatization schemes are usually targeting the one of the most efficient of course in, in institutions or uh infrastructures yeah so they're not gonna like if something's money makers yeah if something that's failing because it's failing the way it's been structured they're not gonna take it what they're gonna do is they're gonna defund something like a public school institutions or well they privatize office. some of those exactly to a degree and it's shifting now even more to those uh, 
different pods and uh, different things. But yeah, I I mean, this gets back to the thing where I think a lot of people are like, well, at least I'm not, uh, you know, getting... Uh, anyway, the, a lot of these folks have union gigs. They're doing well in the post office. It's a good job uh, compared to a lot of other jobs in this country. So... I think, again, you have a lot of people who are sitting there going, I know things are fucked up. I know things are going to go bad. This doesn't look good. But do I want to rock the boat because I have this, like, decent-paying job? And it's hard to convince people that that can be taken away at any moment. And that in the end, in if you take a step back, which I know it's difficult for people who are like in the midst of the situation to do, but if you do take a step back, I think you can see the big picture and you can see where this is headed with the post office. And so to some degree you can make the argument, Hey, you really don't have much to lose that like in the short term, they're going to really screw you over. So, and that's the conversation I had. Well, I have this post lady. Well, before when the space was open, I was sending a lot of uh, mail, obviously. But no, and that's every time I go in there, we would have those conversations. And I mean, I I talked to their uh, manager, I guess, when we were trying to set up the whole mailing thing for the for uh, for our space. And she was, yeah, I mean, she she on she actually knew. She was like, yeah, they trying to. They trying to cut us. They trying to shut us down. They trying to privatize us. So there, and that's you know, and that once again, but where where is union? You know, where is the union in educating, organizing? And, and obviously, it's a longer story. And we have interviews that you guys can check out on our um, our website and our YouTube channel uh, that we post on Facebook as well, where people talk about what's you know certain elements that need to be brought back or improved as they were in the for unions is what you're talking about unions correct well yeah they're 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 an essential entity to any progressive left-wing organizing effort i mean chomsky's kind of famous quote that he always uses for this is that unions are the have been the greatest democratizing force you know in the world over the last 150 years but they also have a very bad history we know this and so you know there's one of our good friends kim sipes writes about this he's a labor scholar so we'll have him on the program he actually has a book that's coming out soon that we'll have him on the program to talk about and you know he'll he'll get in depth with a lot of this and we also just spoke with judy ansel who will be posting at some point probably on monday that's a good one and it's a yeah it's a really good interview she's a labor organizer out of kansas city kansas uh has done a lot of work over the years and uh has one hell of a personal story hardcore hardcore yeah very hardcore <laughs> she's inspiring. been there extremely inspiring yeah it's always amazing to me when you meet people like that who just pile through just piled through well yeah i mean have had such interesting you know back and forth going from one part of life to the next and you know school to different jobs to you know different organizing efforts having kids in the midst of all of this and 
becoming an educator and then she's also doing a radio program and it's really yeah i mean i find it to be a great joy to uh connect with with these people because yeah people like judy i all these all all of the stories that we hear on the program i think are really useful and i mean i, I find Incredible. them What's that? Incredible. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Yeah. People incredible. have done some uh some amazing things in their lifetime. What other uh what other topics came up this week? I mean anything may what else is going on in the world? I think sports is going on. Oh, sports, they're back well oh yeah, the college uh the college football. They canceled was, college they canceled football, it. right? That's and good. That's good. It's good. And then once again it's gonna expose something that I think people should pay attention to is the fact that the a lot of programs at the universities rely on sports right instead of having a solid consistent funding right that provides safety for the school and allows children to have access children <laughs> sorry I'm old uh allows college students to have access to program and the same thing for regular public schools right I mean you allow those programs and then you know you you have a better society i mean that's the whole thing you want kids to you want kids you want kids to have access to different things so they can try them out and see what they're what they're interested in what they might not be interested in what they might be interested in later (laughs) i mean you know it will change and it's like a book you can read it 10 years ago and you can read it right now and it's completely different you know how you see it but yeah yeah, and it's it's not good, but it's also going to expose once again this you know this pandemic is going to expose a lot of uh, things that uh, need to be fixed. Yeah, so all that money. Yeah, no, I I knew that a ton of the money came from sports. I mean, I that's kind of been a if you watch some sports media, they talk about it, which is funny. Of course, the sports media talk about it more than the actual media <laughs> talk about it. I mean, the sports media has talked about this for years and it always comes up because, you know, the college athletes, uh, and the issue of paying college yeah, athletes, yeah. which of course should be done. I mean, everybody, I think most people should know that by now. So I wish them the best. I mean, I hope the college athletes organize. I hope they encourage other students to organize. And because the college athletes are looked up to, just like athletes in our society, I mean, I've said this over and over again, but I mean, we are really in a bad place when there's more athletes uh, fighting back than there are artists and musicians and rock stars. And I guess we don't really have rock stars anymore, but pop stars, you know, although Cardi B did support. She did. Bernie Sanders movie stars do too but yeah some of the movie stars but I mean in any case it because they have so much influence I mean the hope is that if college athletes stand up and say something about the situation that hopefully you know other students on campus pick up the message and they're like wow we should organize too we should be fighting back we should be fighting back for lower tuition we should be fighting back for better pay for people who work on the campus who aren't professors, but also for professors. I mean, you know, you can go on and on. I mean, that that that's the hope, but it's good that they canceled the sports. Absolutely. But, but the other sports are still going on. Like I, I should probably. In and out, in and out, baseball, in and out. Some okay. teams play, some teams don't play. Uh, football, I think, did they cancel it? 
I don't know. I mean, my my favorite sport and really the only sport we watch over here, which is probably like once a month, is uh, UFC. And it's a much different animal. I mean, you have smaller yeah. one one on one competition. Yeah, I mean, this is way different. So they've been able to kind of create a bubble for themselves. In any case, I guess this is the time that I could drop that probably very few people who listen to the program will care. But hopefully over time we get a wide variety of audience. The whole point would be that, uh, you know, a lot of people do watch sports. So, I mean, most people watch sports. So I understand that. Um, and under normal circumstances, I do. I'm, you know, I could really get into a lot of sports. I just don't have the time. And so with boxing and MMA, the nice thing is there's usually like a big fight every couple months. And so that's nice because you can Some set up like too. a, yeah, and it's on a Saturday, it's late night, yep. and you can kind of set up like a whole event around it, like yep. you can barbecue, hang out, turn it into a, a whole thing. But anyway, um, Saturday evening, uh, Stipe Miocic is fighting Daniel Cormier for the third time for the UFC Heavyweight Championship, and I am totally, totally fucking excited. I actually don't know what I'm going to do with myself for the next 24 hours because I'm going to be losing my fucking mind until it happens. But anyway, oh boy. that's all I want to, <laughs> that's all I want to, that's all I want to say about that. That's one thing that's going on this week that makes me really, ex I'm excited about. Um, what other, what are some other, I know big topics that were coming up. I mean, the VP thing was huge and you know, we can do more, uh, interviews and conversations about strategic voting. I mean, I just think again, I, my main point is like two or three fold one, don't kill each other over this because we need people to get you know be ready after the election regardless of who wins um, and two is think about this in a really nuanced way and three would be in a strategic way nuanced and st strategic and three would be that voting isn't some kind of you know uh, sign of like what your character is it's like there's a lot of really good people who are voting for Democrats because they just want, you know, an extra 600 bucks a week for their goddamn unemployment. And they know that the Republicans are against that. There's also decent people who are voting for Republicans who for any number of reasons, you know, believe whatever Fox news is telling them, or they don't like the democratic party or, you know, maybe they're more interested in some of these social issues. Um, Maybe they're a little more conservative or maybe they just are totally confused or whatever the case may be. Or it's all they were exposed to. Or that's all they were exposed yeah, to. Culturally, sp specifically. Right. And I think a lot of it actually comes from cultural, like the, the cultural things. Sure. Whether it's abortion, whether Who you're it's, hanging out with. Yeah, LGBTQIT. I mean, whatever, anything. I mean, all those things. And I know, I mean, I know incredible people who, you know, about Republican, you know, who uh, have yeah. friends who are, uh, no, really treat people nice. And some of those who had employees, you know, extremely treated them nice and hired people that had felonies who wouldn't get hired in other places and paid them really well and took care of them. You know, and it's, and that's, that's the contradiction again. And that's why nothing can be simplified. It shouldn't be simplified. Yeah. It's always been a weird contradiction is like, I know a lot of conservative people who 
might be more fun to hang out with. They might even be more willing to help you on like a day-to-day basis with like just life shit. But, and then I know a lot of like left-wing people who can't be really bothered with that kind of stuff or who are like very socially awkward. You can't even talk to them. Yeah. I have a difficult time like communicating with people for any number of reasons. And it's a weird contradiction. That's for sure. But I've noticed it over the years. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we've talked about it, but it is strange. I mean, I find it very, very strange. I don't know what else is coming up this week. Um, what else happened this week that were big stories I was trying to think? I know, I mean, the post office one's big. Correct. We're doing an interview with Christian Parenti on Sunday, which will be the second half of our interview with Parenti about his latest book, Radical Hamilton. In the book, Radical Hamilton, there's a section about uh, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Uh, that's the Postal Clause, which specifically deals with the general welfare uh allowed the establishment of the railroads allowed the establishment of postal roads that connected the post offices. And so, and it's funny. So anyway, I was looking online and I was like, well, what would come up if I YouTubed uh, article one, section eight of the constitution. And one of the first things that comes up is a 2008 presidential uh, conversation with uh, Ron Paul and Ron Paul was trying to make the argument that the founders did not have this in mind in fact, the general welfare clause, which has been used by both FDR and LBJ to implement Medicare, Medicaid, and the, the New Deal, um, that, that, that those were unconstitutional programs. Obviously, Ron Paul is wrong. Some of the founding of fathers did want or did intend to use that clause to do precisely that. Others didn't. He is correct there. I mean, there's others that didn't. But to just make a sweeping statement like that, is incorrect. The point that I was ma- that I want to make though is that the right wing is very clear on what they're doing. Yep. They want to dismantle the state. And so it so this is also nuanced. The reason that this is complex is because you don't we don't want an entity that has so much power that it can just do whatever it wants to you, can lock you up, can have authority over you. But there's the state does many things. I mean, it, it serves logistical yep. purposes. It also educates people. Yep. It also puts people in jail. Yep. Okay, so there's all there's the real positive, the real negative, and then the kind of mundane. Like the logistical stuff is really mundane. It's like, how are you going to get water to people? Okay, there's nothing really too exciting about that, and there's nothing like to argue about unless you then want to privatize that system. So the whole project, I mean, one of the conclusions I think both you and I have come to is that the state isn't going anywhere that like that there, and if it does, especially abruptly sort of God help us all, it's going to mutate because we don't have any kind of alternative institutions that could fill that gap. So I think as much as I like to think about, yeah, the state mutating, changing, um, that this process will continue, that it's never going to stay still. But at the same time, as much as like older left-wing, especially anarchists, people who come from the anarchist (laughs) tradition, some people who come from the communist tradition, uh, other different sort of strains of the left, but also of the right, 
you know, have this idea of a society with no state, but that you would still have like on the right, of course, concentrated forms of capital and power. But on the left, there's not really an articulation of what a society would look like without a state. And especially in this time when we have whatever it is, 7.4 or 5 billion people living on the planet, that people are just going to sort of self-organize themselves into like confederacies or not confederacies. I'm sorry. Um, federal. Yeah. A, a confederate sort of system, like a confederated system. Like well, I don't, I don't. Well, even with anarchists, I mean, the only, the only known anarchist project was the Kuzak sick in the Eastern Ukraine. Kind of. Well, don't they, they were, consider the, and uh, they had a state. I mean, they had like they, they had some. They still had this form of they had layers of responsibilities and people who were doing things, and it was it was kind of centralized institution. Sure, sure. So even with that, you 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 gotta have it. I mean, you you don't gotta have it specific in the specific one particular manner. But you, I mean, what if you don't? Well, it performs a lot of function, yeah. folks. I mean, I don't know what to say to people who just say that we need to just dismantle the state and then that's it. I mean, the kind of chaos and violence that that could unleash is, I think, beyond the scope and beyond the, the pale for what many people could even imagine. So I, it's it's very, yeah, it, or it's a not really serious. Or corporate totalitarianism i mean well that's what i mean like that's part of like the the chaos that i would imagine would be and you know and i think people have to i think that we're like at this very um i mean i guess it doesn't really start obviously with trump but it started definitely with reagan and like a hyperdrive but you know i think people have to keep in mind when they see the federal government not not doing anything or failing to do things it's not because of the institutions themselves it's the it's basically what we have is the elites who are in a place who like imagine having somebody driving a car who doesn't want to drive the car they just want to smack slam it into a, a telephone post but because they've well i mean but the thing is that the institutions have been damaged now. That the institutions themselves have been damaged because of, I mean, you know, we can kind of go through the reasons why, but I mean, they have been significantly damaged over those decades. So I think, and one of the things that obviously holds up institutions in a representative democracy in which we live is this, that you have to have enough people who actually have faith in those institutions. And that's all gone now. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, I. it's difficult to imagine, I guess, how you could try and bring some of those sides together to think about what the state could look like that wouldn't be threatening to an, to the right to make them totally lose it. Or is it that you just have to kind of force through as much democrat force through as much progressive and reforms as you can and then hope that through those universal programs that you can bring 
some of those people from the right over. So they're like, Hey, I actually benefited from Medicare for all like that actually made my life a lot better. I don't know. Perfect example. Who are get it done first? Who are the biggest voters? Uh, mail-in voters are Republican. All their Republicans. They're no, usually. that's not what they're showing. No, no, they're showing that the Republican. The ah, fuck. I wish I had my phone on me. The um, somebody posted to Facebook. I gotta go through. I don't know which one of my friends, but somebody posted what the polls, the recent poll showed, and it showed that like seventy something percent of Democrats plan on somehow mailing in their ballot in november and that 70 something percent of republicans are going to show up no not for this election but the prior elections though no i'm saying numbers, for this one though yeah but the numbers before though majority of people who did use mail oh yeah ballots sure. are republican because they're older sure. older generations so i mean if i mean obviously now they because they're just going to go out just to go out yeah. but in general usually and so <laughs> how many people won't vote because they're scared oh yeah probably be a lot of people who don't vote because oh, yeah. they're scared to go out i told my parents i'm like because they received their uh mail-in thing from state of pennsylvania yeah and i was like fill those things out i'm like i don't want you to be in line oh yeah you're in your 70s <laughs> like no. i can't have you guys be in there because <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, they always go <laughs> they always go even even uh midterm elections and stuff like that and they go into state elections and you know i always let them know i keep them keep them up to date yeah oh well in pennsylvania is important yep extremely again unlike indiana yeah what else any other stories what the hell else is going on something was spinning in my head but it flew away <laughs> no i kept trying to think What's, of anything else what about the song on. what about the wonderful song that came out the the oh uh ben shapiro's uh <laughs> the uh, cardi b w-a-p <laughs> that cardi was great b. that's great i that, like it. it's got a good beat to it start things up also too. yeah it's a <laughs> it's definitely a raunchy song i mean i could imagine people grinding on each other at the club listening to reminds me of little kim you know, some like yeah. Some she was like, like the Kim. original though. Yeah, Lil Kim is the shit. She was awesome. She was badass. Yeah. I had a crush on her. I forget what her name of her first album was, but God damn it, I remember buying that album cover and just like loving. I was amazed. I like, well, I'm an immigrant, just for people who never hear. It, so you know, first off, when I came here, when I heard Tupac, it was like when I heard rap in general, like American rap, real, you know, real rap. I was, I mean, I was blown away. And then when I saw her, I was like, I had no idea women rap and the way she rapped. I, I was blown away. I mean, yeah, just, she was just, tough. It's, it's amazing. Kind of a shame, though. I think she really, like, went into, like, tons of plastic surgery on her face. Because the last time I saw her on TV, I was like, Jesus Christ. Or not on TV, on the internet. I was like, Jesus Christ. No. Like, what the fuck, man? And you know what? I was thinking it's about that. It's always a shame with these with these actresses and actors who just or suicide mickey rourke looks like a you know i mean mickey rourke looks uh like a something that landed from a different planet compared to the way i mean he used to be like a and i get that his nose was fractured multiple times from his boxing career but he's had a lot more work done than just his nose and it's like man Pressures. like just the you know yeah, but at some point you don't even really have the pressures in your head because Not people exactly. expect you to get old. But once it's there, it's 
you know, unless you're unless you're surrounded by people, you know, if you're surrounded. Well, you got to be around people who are grounded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's in some kind of reality. I mean, you got to have people who are not like, you know, lawyers and agents and fucking bottom feeders and leeches that are around you just trying to suck money out of you. Exactly. No, it's sad. It's very sad. But yeah, little Kim. Anyway, back to little Kim. Yeah, she's kick yeah. ass <laughs> because she comes from Mob Deep. Yeah, and she's, Mob she's Deep. from the from my favorite rap crew and my favorite rapper, the, the notorious Big. I still think is the best of the best. I disagree. Sergio's was, on that West Coast. Yeah, but Tupac. Mob Deep. Mob Deep. I like great. Memphis Bleak. I'm so uh, so on Memphis Bleak, but I love Mob Deep. Love Mob Deep. Nas, I like all oh, his yeah, early def- stuff. No, I do like it. I mean, I like East Coast. I like West Coast, but yeah, Wu-Tang. I mean, Tupac was my, oh, Wu-Tang. And then Wu-Tang. even, you know, Midwest, who you got in the Midwest? You got Common, you got Twista. Um, Where's 3-6 Mafia from? Uh, well, you got Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland. Tennessee, Tennessee, 3-6 Mafia, Tennessee, right? Yeah. I mean, Scarface, the Ghetto yep. Boys from oh, he- yeah. Houston and all that shit. Little Wayne, Big Bird. Yeah, all the cash money. That's all that cash money. And then the uh, No Limit guys, Soak the Shocker and Mystical and Master P. (laughs) Yeah, there was great, wild, great rap in the 90s. I mean, I I know that there's good stuff out now. I mean, who's the cat that I was listening to? Russian Cream. Kendrick Lamar is amazing. Yeah, I like Kendrick Lamar. Good, solid, solid, everything. I like some of Chance the Rapper stuff. Oh, Chance, yeah. I like... uh, I'm trying to think Lupe of this Lupe Fiasco. Name. I like Lupe Fiasco. Yeah, Lupe Fiasco. Fiasco is cool, too. Awesome, yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, who the hell. Damn. Midwest? No, I just couldn't think of the name. But the name of the song is called Russian Cream. It's kind of like some of that mumble rap, hmm. which I don't mind some of that stuff, too. I Actually, I like the way that Perry Farrell put it. I mean, I heard an interview with him recently where the singer from jane's addiction and satellite party and all that other stuff anyway he uh he was saying that you know man he's like i actually really like this mumble rap and people were like making fun of it and he was saying that it reminded him of some of the different talk that took place in black communities in the 70s and 80s where like there was like this very specific like kind of code word type of speaking and like only people who were around in those neighborhoods could kind of understand what the fuck these guys were saying and these women were saying. And so his point was like, that's kind of exactly what the mumble rap is. Well, the field hands. People don't really get it. I mean, it's not as good though. No. I mean, it's not, I don't know. I mean, there's, I understand what he's saying, but it's still not as, I don't think it's as good as some of the, you know, like if you go through Tupac's lyrics and some of those songs. Well, I also wonder if it's uh, also connected to the um, field hands during the slavery. I mean, the songs, the songs that they sang in the fields, in the way of communicating without the without the um, slave owners knowing what they were saying. So they're just like, oh, they're just singing their songs, you know. <laughs> but they were actually in the only time that they would be able to communicate. I've heard other. that before, but I don't I, know. I studied it in uh, blues history class. The University of Oregon. Yeah, but it turned into rap, though. No, 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 no. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Just kind of like I just see that connection in terms of. So now taking that to the neighborhoods, right, where you're extremely segregated and you're like sometimes you don't, you know, kind of creating your own culture 
or your own way of communicating without somebody else knowing it. Yeah. You know, just kind of cold, cold talking. Not when you put it out though. To no, yeah. So no. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I'm not going to lie. No, everybody knows. I'm not a big fan. I don't mind. I mean, I, I like the beats. I like their beats. Yeah. Man. Some of the beats yeah, are really some good. Of the beats are amazing. Some of them are good. That's definitely one thing that I've been missing. I would like, I would like to, uh, I'd like to go to a concert. I'd like to go to a show. I'd like to see some live music. I'd like to hear that, you know, those really deep and even the high sound, but feel the deep sounds and hear the high sounds of like, you know, being those big ass PA systems oh, yeah. and amplifiers and all that stuff. I definitely would like to see that or experience that. Also like the collective sweat and heat around you. I don't like yeah. anyone's sweat on me. No. I mean, not unless that I'm a friend with them or they're like, well, you know, no, if you're in the crowd and you're watching a show, I mean, no, I don't want to be in a crowd too much. I'm kind of done with all that. I'm to the point where I just want to buy VIP tickets <laughs> and sit in an area where I have like at least like two foot around me. So I don't have to be around. I mean, yeah, it's just too, dude, I've been to a lot of fucking shows over the years and I am, I just am to the point where I'm like, fuck it was like, like being at that nine inch nails show <laughs> that we went to the the recent one i was or the one before the pandemic i was like god damn it you know and then there's tall people in front of me i'm short so i'm like fuck and then i gotta like move around and try and find a spot where i'm like okay i could see things and then there's people next to me texting and then the fucking person behind me is like talking and then somebody next to me is like you know drunk yeah. and like bumping into me and i'm just like yeah i don't I can't deal with this anymore unless I'm really drunk and I don't want to get really drunk at shows anymore. No. But that was also in the standing that we were in the back too, in the standing where, you know, people, when you get in there, that's why I kind of like being there. Like you'll have people raise their phones cause they trying to record, but they're not, there's, yeah. there's just no way of messing around. After this though, I don't want anybody fucking coming near me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> fucking, I'm like, nobody's fucking, nobody's touching me until there's a fucking like, for sure pandemic like or i'm Vaccine. sorry vaccination where it's like yeah like everybody's cool or you're cool or i'm cool because i took the fucking vaccine then i'll be like okay but yeah i don't know i generally don't i don't know i generally just don't want that doesn't sound appealing to me all the people being all over me i like when we went and saw tool i fucking love those types of seats that was beautiful no, I, I I can definitely enjoy that. Like we were what on the second deck, and but we had I wasn't like there. I right wasn't with you. Guys. Oh God damn it! Keep I always that. keep forgetting that. Yeah, you keep forgetting that. I'm so upset that you didn't go see him with us. I'm surprised that you didn't like that uh, big naked guy who slammed into us at the tool show in uh, Bonnaroo in 2008 no is that what is that what is that what ruined your experience no he didn't slam into me oh he didn't slam into you you were only me. with you were only with mitch nelson at that time oh really yeah the rest of us were up front with uh dills and johnson uh, and muth and uh travis and all the way to the front i mean the boy was about 400 pounds i know bro. mitch tells the story the best we got to get mitch on one of these yeah, shows we got to call him up and just have him on <laughs> I would love to talk with Mitch on the program for one of these programs. It'd be great. Good friend of ours, guy that I grew up with, guy I met when I was, I think, 11 or 12. We first moved to uh, northwest Indiana from uh, Chicago and met him because his dad, 
I think ran Little League or something. Anyway, tons of great experiences over the years. Mitch is now a history teacher, econ teacher down in Bloomington, Indiana, where he teaches high school. But he's he's a hell of a character, and it would be great to have him down to tell that Bonnaroo story. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Music festivals too, man. God damn it. I've been thinking about music festivals. I've been thinking about that whole, ex- I, I like, I like all of that. I like like the, coll- it's like anything. Like I like, I like like a moderated version of those things. Like I like the festivals, but like I want a festival with like a shower. So for sure, I don't have to be oh, like all dirty sure. and smelly hippie for like four or five days. I'm just not that hardcore anymore. No, I'm definitely not like that. I'll get in the crowd, but I'm not going to. That's how you know you're getting old as shit. That's how I feel. I'm like, I don't like I, you know, I've been working out and feel good. But like I in terms of like what I'm prepared to deal with. We also spend a lot of time on the ground. These. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I but we know guys who if it was up to them, they would camp every single day. I mean, who I, you know, like my dad after he came back from the military, wanted nothing to do with camping. But I mean, there's other people who join the military and then they come out and they spend like half their life doing forced marches and sleeping on the ground. PTSD. Well, I don't know if it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just, try to relive. No, I mean, today. some people really like it outside. Oh, for sure. For sure. I know it gives people like a real, like kind therapeutic. of therapeutic. Yeah. It is, and it, it is. is. I mean, it's nice to it's nice to see that stuff. Um, the cities have made our brains go at a fast speed. That's yeah, right. everything That's slows right. down outside yeah. of the city. It is nice just to hear sounds that aren't the city too. I mean, we only live in a smaller city, but we live on a you know the main drag of the city, like the main strip of the city. So we constantly hear noise and. You know, some nights it's really nice. Like the other night we heard just crickets outside. It was like crickets and frogs and it was pretty damn loud just with that. And it was nice, you know, but main drag is the appropriate name for it because people basically do a quarter mile from Barker to Ripley or 11th street. People just drag racing down the street, (laughs) big pickup trucks. Yeah, I don't know. It makes me. I don't know. There's part of me that would like to have property. I mean, I've long, long talked about it. And I, and not just for those of you who are listening, not because I have any kind of fantasies of like living off the land. I just quite literally have never lived in a place. I have friends who over the years who have property, but I've never lived in a place that had property and seclusion. I, you know, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I lived in a place. I was like 22 to 26 or 27, but I lived in a place in Burns Harbor that was on seven acres, but it wasn't really private. I mean, you know, you had the 94 was a football, a half football field away. At a natural gas producing plant. Yeah, that natural gas like plant. rockets taking off. It was on the other side of the highway. <laughs> so it's like growing up in the Rust Belt and being in these, although not too far away from there. You don't have to go too far in, though the suburban sprawl is starting to encroach on those areas as well. But in any case, you don't have to go too far in or too far away from the city or too far away from the lakeshore or the interstate to, you know, really find property here in Indiana. And we have friends who 
live on 15, 17, 20, 25 acres. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's a different pace of life and there's a certain peace and tranquility to just like walking outside and being like, Ooh, like no artificial sounds that I can hear. And because your neighbors are scattered out and sparse, it's not like here in the city, for instance, like within a, like as far as I can throw a rock, there's like 10, 15 houses. Yep. And so what that looks like in the summertime is like, even if we go out on the roof to hang out, it's like chainsaws, leaf blowers, fucking lawn mowers. You know what I mean? Dogs, five different dogs, fucking barking, motorcycles, pickup trucks, hot rods, police cars, ambulances, fire trucks, drinkers. Yeah. Drunks across the street at the bar people fighting in the street sergio and i were having a cigarette last night and these people were squaring off to throw hands at each other fortunately they didn't i mean just you know it's like that's like every fucking week there's a fight out here i mean it's just there's you know sometimes you know i get why people act the way that they do in these kinds of uh contexts but i mean sometimes it just wears you out sometimes you're like fuck no and under influence most of the time too Mostly drunk. Well, I mean, because I, of the context. I yeah. mean, people, you know, when you live in a place like this and you're working a shitty job, and there's like, nothing to do. There's nothing to do. You know, you come back and the only thing you want to do is get fucked up. And I understand. Oh, for sure. I, I definitely understand. I just hope that, you know, they're starting new Marine Corps out there in these bars. <laughs> that's that's my hope. <laughs> like, you yeah, start some more. But, you know, like organizations. That's my hope. <laughs> That's what I hope. All right. What do we have? We got to end up on the hope. It's the best way to end. Yeah. Yeah. That's our hope. Our (laughs) hope is that people are at bars right now forming organizations that can eventually replace this government with a government by and for the people. That sounds real. Wholesome. Yeah. For real this time. (laughs) It sounds like a wholesome American message is what that sounds like. And we're young. We need something like that. We are, well, we're not young anymore. You keep reminding no, the me country. That. Oh, yeah. The country. As a country. <laughs> I was like, I called myself young the other day. I think I mentioned this in the previous week when we were talking. But, yeah, Sergio quickly reminded me that we're not young anymore. The country is young. The country's very young. I think we forget that. I, I started cutting people a lot of slack because time I have a different sense of time now as you get older. It's like, God damn. Like when I was young, I was like, look at these fucking losers. Like who, who in the hell is still listening to this music <laughs> 20 years after it was popular. I am. <laughs> and now I'm like, now I'm listening to music that was not, hasn't been popular for 25, 30 years. And I'm like, this is still <clears throat> kick ass. I mean, I also, to be fair and give myself a little credit, I listen to a ton of different types of music and a ton of new music, but I always go back to stuff that I kind of grew up with just to put it on every now and then. And Who does? Yeah, it makes me laugh. I'm just like, shit, now I'm that person that's listening to music that was popular decades ago. And it happens quick. It does. Fuck. It's been five months of this. Yeah. Sometimes that feels like five years. But sometimes it feels like it was yet like Book, yeah. like it's Friday and it's so nuts like we it's we I feel like so much has happened this week but it happened so fast that like because so much happens that the weeks just fly by 
And then because so much happens, even though the time flies by quick, it seems like the cumulative effect is like, holy shit, like it's been years because there's been like years worth of information. Every like, day something new, something different. Yeah, like piling through your brain like every day. I don't know. I feel that there's got to be some better way to like manage social media and news intake, like the amount of information that we're taking in. Me and Johnny were talking about it today that we just don't know. I mean, we don't know the impact on that, of that on our, I don't mind it as much as I can see. Like I keep seeing people post stuff like, um, I, I guess they're calling it doom scrolling now. So it's like people being like, yeah, like you don't need to be like doom scrolling and like keeping up with it. I didn't know like the way that they framed it was like you don't have to keep up with things to make it seem like it's a progressive moral cause just to like keep up with bad news. I didn't know that's how people processed it. I mean, I just have found it fascinating because I, I, I'm going to be the only thing I could see that it could impede is like more long-term studying of things. So like if you want to pick up a book and get into a three or 400 page book, you know the kind of like mental discipline it takes to sit down and do that. If you don't spend. want it to take two, three fucking weeks, you need to spend a certain amount of time, maybe in silence, maybe with some low classical music on or whatever your setup is to get some really good reading done. But yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I find it fascinating, but then there's some days when I'm like, I, yeah, I probably don't need to hear all that. I mean, I see stuff and I'm like, I know that something fucked oh, up yeah. is going on in Israel and Palestine right now. Like, I know that Iraq is fucked up. Like, I know that things are happening in Afghanistan. Like, I just, at this point, it's like, if you read enough analysis about what's happening, like, it shouldn't be that surprising, like, whatever news comes up. And unless you're like, like a, policy analyst or like a researcher or a scholar or an activist working on that specific issue like what do you really need to know like do you need to know like the day-to-day -day of what's going on in syria like i don't unless i'm writing about it or doing something about it like i don't need to know that i and so i, I don't know how to filter everything though because most of the at this point, the overwhelming majority of people that are on my Facebook are no longer people that I grew up with. They're just people that find me through po political shit. So it's like become friends with them. And the whole news feed is just, you know, it's nothing but politics. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just politics. And it's all really, really bad news and people just bitching. It's not really people being like, hey, we need to do this or we should try this. And Some funny memes at times. But anyways, we went from hope to doom real quick. <laughs> no, why why doom? Who said anything about doom? Well, doom scrolling. Oh, doom scrolling. <laughs> yeah, no, shout out to Jacob George for his uh his hilarious posts that he always posts. <laughs> he always has funny stuff. It does. Friend of ours from Michigan City. Yeah, shout out to Jacob George for his badass Jacob. posts. He makes me laugh, man. Those those posts are great. He's like he reminds he's like the white black beast. If you follow black beast on, uh, he's black beast. Derek Lewis is an MMA fighter with the UFC. Follow him on Instagram. If you want to see some just totally goofy off the wall, dark, messed up, but hilarious 
shit, check out his uh, Instagram. What else? You got anything else? I don't think so. We're at that time, too. All right. We'll go. We could go longer in the future if we feel like it. But for, you know, if we don't have anything particularly to to riff on, then we're going to try and keep it around 90 minutes if we can. But yeah, in the future, if, if we're just fired up or we feel like sitting down and doing one, we might, like we said, we might do more than just one a week. Yep. For now, we've just been doing, you know, we're trying to yep. do them on Saturday. And when do we put them out? Or we do them tonight, which is Friday. And then we put them out, what, tomorrow? Tomorrow. Yeah, which is Saturday. And this one will be public and free. And so, yeah, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on everything. Instagram, Twitter. Instagram, Twitter. And follow us on our YouTube page. Subscribe to it. Give us some good ratings and subscribe to our Apple Podcast channel. And We're, check out all the interviews. How many have we done now? 33? Yeah. We're not oh, on yeah. TikTok yet, but for those who are tiktok junkies we'll i be should there. be on tiktok we'll be, there. <laughs> we'll be there before they shot him down <laughs> yeah um, so yeah check out tiktok in the near future folks we'll, we'll, we're gonna be on there i'm gonna make some videos and shit we should be i guess we should be making vi- anyway we're supposed to end the podcast all right yeah take care everybody <laughs> right, we'll talk to you soon all right, peace peace, peace.